You might want to ask, turn your Bibles this morning to uh, Mark chapter 12. Uh, we'll be looking at one verse there just briefly. One of the most famous sea merchant captains had a habit of going into his, his, his stateroom and he'd lock the door behind him and he'd open his safe and he'd pull out an envelope and he'd read something on it every morning, put it back in the envelope, put it back in the safe and then continue with his day. This went on for years and all the sailors on the ship had heard about it. They had no idea what was going on. Some thought, well, maybe it's a, a lover, a letter from a long lost lover. Maybe it's a, a treasure map. But they really had no idea. Well, on the day that the sea captain was buried, all of the sailors went back to the ship and the first mate led the, the crew to the ship's, uh, to, to the ship captain's stateroom and he opened up the safe and he read these words to an astonished crew. Port left. Starboard right. All of us sometimes need to get back to the basics. That's the most basic thing on a ship. What are the basics of the Christian life? What are those, those essentials or, or the purpose of your life? Well, the first purpose of your life we saw last week, that's loving God and worship. Matthew 27, 22-37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of my favorite songs by Toby Mac is a song called Made to Love. And in it he says, I was made to love you. I was made to find you. I was made just for you. Made to adore you. I was made to love and be loved by you. Have you taken the time today to tell the Lord you love Him? Just say, Lord, I love you. You can do that right now. Worship is loving God back because God loves you and He wants to spend... Uh, he wants to spend eternity with you, but we do that by surrendering our life to Christ. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you can even do that this morning. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart man believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you haven't done that, you can do that right now. Whether you're here in the congregation or you're watching on on the Facebook. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I believe in You and that God raised You from the dead. Thank You that You went to the cross and died for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I surrender to my life to You to follow You and, and to live for You. Thank You for the salvation that You offer. And you pray words like those, God will come in to your life and change you and make you His own. When we received Christ, on that moment that you said, Lord, I want you in my life, you became a child of God. In fact, you were adopted into God's family. We know a lot about adoption in our family. My wife was adopted. We have an adopted daughter. That means taking somebody that's not part of your family and making them a part of your family. Ephesians 1.5 says He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. It pleased God to welcome you into His family. And John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them uh, He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe on His name. So at the moment you receive Jesus, you become a child of God. And because God plans for you to spend eternity with a spiritual family, He wants you to learn to love them as well. 
One of the things you're going to do forever in heaven is to love God and worship Him. Another thing you're going to do is love other believers because we're going to spend eternity with them. Then our text, you can find it there, Matthew 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving others is called fellowship, the second purpose of your life. Fellowship is often misunderstood. You know, sometimes we call a group of guys standing around talking about the football game yesterday. Fellowship. That's not really fellowship. Uh, some would say, well, a big group of us go out after church and we eat together and that's fellowship. It can happen there, but that's not necessarily fellowship. Some might say, well, I'm going to church so that I can fellowship. But that's really not fellowship. Uh, fellowship is loving God's family. Now, the church is not this building. You know, I, I know whenever it says, well, where's your church? We often say, well, it's at 1100 or 1200 South Lynn Lane Road. It's only here if somebody's here. Because our church is usually scattered out in Tulsa and Catoosa and Broken Arrow and, and Owasso and, and wherever else your houses are, wherever you're at. I mean, two weeks ago on Sunday morning, our church was in Maryland. At least part of it was. We're a, a family of believers. The word fellowship in, in the Greek means to share. That's one of the definitions. What do we share? We share our life. Fellowship is loving one another and sharing our lives with each other. It's loving each other as Christ has loved us. How do we do that? By belonging to each other. Do you feel like you're a part of a, 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 something bigger than you are? Because we belong to each other. The first level of fellowship is choosing to belong to a group of believers. We call that membership. That means to find a church family and choose to belong. Some people have said, well, I'm a Christian. But I really don't want to belong to a church. A, a, a church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, I agree. I'm one. And every one of you point at me. Point at me and say you're a hypocrite. Everyone, do it. Go ahead, do it. It's a good illustration. Because as you do that, you got three fingers pointed back. See? We're all hypocrites. That's okay. Because we're saved hypocrites and God's changing us and making us more and more like Him. But we can't say, I don't want to belong to church. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like a, a um, football player saying, well, I'm a football player. Mike, stand up here and be a football player. But where's your team? You don't have a team. Can you really be a football player? Just take strike pose. Yeah. Doesn't make him a football player, does it? I'm at the Heisman Pope. What is the Heisman pose? Yeah. That still doesn't make him a football player. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Um, it'd be like a tuba player saying, I like playing tuba, but I really don't want to be part of a band. You ever hear a tuba solo? Yeah. <laughs> or a bee saying, well, I don't want to be part of a hive. You know, bees die when they're by themselves. Or a soldier saying, well, I, I'm a soldier, but I don't want to be part of an army. They don't last very long. You see, God made us to be a part of a family. His family. And if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to see God at work in you, you need to be part of a church family. You need to be connected to other believers. Because God's made us a body. 
And the church is where we get connected. You see, Jesus loves the church. And He died for the church. And He wants us to have the same love He has for us, for each other. Now I look out at you and I don't see anybody I can't love. Now sometimes I've been around people that were hard to love, but God's given me love for them. And He can do that. And I know I've not always had... I've had some rough edges at times, and I've been hard to love too. Fellowship, first, is belonging to each other. Secondly, it's relationships. Sharing our lives. You were made for relationships. Now, you can't have relationships without meeting with other people. You can't have relationships without sharing your life. Do you know why most people are lonely? Because they don't take time to develop relationships. And to develop relationships, you have to spend time with people. And unless you make it a priority, you won't, you won't develop real, real fellowship with somebody else. Scripture says about the Acts in, in chapter two, and excuse me, the church in Acts chapter two, uh, all believers were together and held all things in common. Another translation says they shared everything. What are we supposed to share? First, we share our experiences. You know, you can build others up by sharing what Christ is doing in your life. You can be an encouragement. The Bible says just as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And we can learn a lot from somebody else's experiences if we're willing to listen. We need to open up about the Lord, about our experiences, about what God's been, been saying and share those experiences. Now, some of you say, well, pastor, I, I'm afraid to share my experiences. You know what? You are the only expert on your life and on the way God's dealing with you. Now, I might have an opinion on how God's dealing with my wife, but I don't know. And I might think I know the experiences that God's dealing with her, but I don't know. She does. And so she can share those, and so can you. As God's dealt with us, we need to share those with other people, and it will help them to grow. Secondly, we're, just, we're supposed to share our homes. I know we talked about this, uh, I think, Wednesday, uh, Monday night at men's dinner. Maybe it was Wednesday night at Bible study. I don't remember which it was. But the Bible says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. That's, that's CSB. Another translation says, open your homes up to one another. Why? Because you fellowship in small groups. That's where you really get close. You can't fellowship with a group this size. You can't. Um, you can celebrate what God's doing together. You can worship God together. You can sing together. You can celebrate together, but, but fellowship happens in small groups. One of my best friends in, in Brazil was, was uh, another missionary by the name of Bruce McBee. And Bruce has written extensively about small groups. And I want to read from what he, he, he shared. Um, why do churches need small groups? A lot of folks just join a worship service, but never become a part of the church itself. They know a lot of people superficially, but they don't really have anyone very, don't really know anyone very deeply. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're also part of the body of Christ. We're to love one another to the point that we're willing to give our life for them. And then he quotes 1 John 3.16. This is how we come to know love. 
He laid down His life for us, we should also lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. We can only develop a deep relationship with a few few people, a small number of people, he says. The greater the size of the group, the less intimacy the group will experience. Extremes are on both sides. You can have a deep relationship uh, or many shallow relationships. The key is balance. We need time in small groups to deepen relationships and time in large groups to connect with others. Jesus spent time with the masses, but he also had a group of 12 and an even closer group of Peter, James, and John. Jesus was a part of a small group. Get involved in a small group at your church this week. It's the right thing to do. I thought that was a good word from Bruce. The goal is to share our life with each other. And we do that by spending time together. The, the, the third thing we share is our problems. In Romans 12, Paul writes, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. There's an old saying that says, when you share a joy, it's doubled. And when you share a problem, it's cut in half. Uh, we need to learn to be a part of each other's lives. Apparently, I cut the illustration. I had an illustration in here. I cut it out and I can't remember it anyway. Um, the first level of fellowship is the belonging. Second level is learning to share. The third level is partnership. Sharing, excuse me, serving the Lord together. Uh, another way to translate that, that Greek word that's translated fellowship is also partnership. And that's the way it's translated sometimes in scripture. Partnership is serving Christ with others side by side. Um, that we have, we've had different things that we've done here where we've come and we've worked side by side. Right now, uh, we're getting ready for our Sunday fun day and Jeannie is just working as hard as she can to get all the volunteers to, to volunteer. And there's still a place for you to sign up if you haven't signed up. There's a, a sign up list on the, on the welcome center. Uh, but be sure and come. There's also some, some cards there where you can invite your neighbor. They're long, skinny cards, so you know which one they are. They, they've got either fall foliage or pumpkin on top of it. They're just right there on the corner of the desk. Take those home and share them with your neighbors. Anyway, uh, Paul wrote in Philippians 1.5, we are partners together in spreading the gospel. That's what we do. We work together. The heart of the attitude should be we're doing it for Christ. How many of y'all have heard of Mother Teresa? Uh, I think she's gone, uh, if she knew was a believer, which I believe she probably was, she's going to be with the Lord, but she worked among the poorest of the poor in India. And one time someone asked her, how can you be among all that dirt and filth and open sores and wounds? How can you, how can you live there? Well, here's what she said. Every person I bathe and every person I bandage, I imagine seeing the face of Jesus. And I do it for Him. When we serve the Lord together, we do it serving Christ. So we need to look for ways to serve Christ by serving others. Then the last level of fellowship is kinship or loving each other like family. Acts 2.42 again says, and they continually devoted themselves to fellowship. That's the Greek word koinonia. 
It means, another definition of it means it being as committed as we are to each other as we are to Jesus. It's that same kind of love that Jesus had for us. Uh, this is how we come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, how many of you have read in Philippians where He talks about the fellowship of His suffering? We've read that expression. We, we kind of pass over it because we don't suffer much here in America. I mean, around the world, believers are dying. Ten million a year are being put to death for their faith. But it's not that hard for us. I mean, somebody might make a, a, a rude comment about churches or Christians in America. and uh, But we really don't suffer for Christ. So how do we share this level? Well, by standing with other believers in a crisis. We experienced that in 2005. Our son was in an automobile accident in Philadelphia. And you loved us and encouraged us and prayed for us and supported us. That whole six months, we were with Brandon. And most of the time, I was there and not here. And you still supported us then. When believers love each other that way, it makes the church strong. But too often, when someone goes through a crisis, we're only with them for a short time. And then we forget about them. I, I, I think about believers that in our church, in our congregation, that have had crises. And for the first couple of weeks, the first couple of months, we're, we're there with them. But if their crisis extends longer, we forget about them. And that's not love. When we suffer with someone else, we stay with them throughout the, the crisis and just keep on loving them and keep on encouraging them. The Christian life is loving God and learning, learning to love others. And that's part of God's purpose for your life. Relationships. Jesus said, I... I give you a new command. I love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not long after Jesus said this, persecution broke out against the church. Terrible persecution. Uh, Rome wasn't hospitable to Christians. Many of them were thrown to the lions or, or they faced the gladiators in the arena. They were... Uh, they were put on stakes and, and burned for their faith, or they were put on poles and used as candles in Rome. During all this time, one non-Christian, pagan historian observed the Christians. And here's what he said. Behold how they love each other. What a word. Behold how they love each other. Churches ought to be known for their love. We ought to be known as a place where the love of Christ is shared with each other and people embrace that love. And anyone that comes through the doors of, a, of our building ought to experience that love. In fact, when someone comes, we ought to make a beeline to them and introduce ourselves and, and encourage them and love on them. And make them feel welcome and loved. 
they ought to experience, every person that comes in this door ought to experience the love of Christ through us. Sometimes you say, Pastor, I'm shy. I know, I am too. I used to be anyway. Uh, in a crowd, I was the one you didn't see. But you know, Christ can help us get over those things. Christ, all we need to do is just let Christ love through us. You can still be shy and be loving. You can still be shy and be encouraging. And then one other thing I got to thinking about, why do people leave a church? Over the years, we've seen people leave Lynn Baptist Church and, and some, of them don't go, some of them go to other churches, some of them don't go anywhere. And here's what, what I've come to the conclusion. If people, I want to read it the way I wrote it because uh, why do people leave at a church? Usually it's because they haven't experienced something that they can't live without. I know it's a double negative but it makes sense. People leave a church if they haven't experienced something that they can live without. But if they experience the love of Christ and become part of a family, there's that hesitancy to move. There's that, that, that difficulty to move. When people leave a, a church because they've moved someplace and they've got that big wound because they miss their brothers and sisters, that's what we need to be a part of. When people experience genuine love, they're going to want to be part of the church. When people know the love of Jesus through us, they'll want to belong. Why? People are looking for love. We've been created to need love. So what level of fellowship are you at? Have you chosen a belong? You can do that today. Are you sharing your life? Are you part of a small group? Our Sunday school classes aren't ideal small groups, but they're a good place to start. And then maybe God is saying to you, I need you to start a small group in your home and, and teach the Bible. Are you partnering with other believers and, and serving Christ together? In that deepest level, are you devoted to helping people in crisis? Are you devoted to helping people walk through whatever they're having to walk through and continue walking through them? God created us to love each other in fellowship. That's what the church is to be about. Love, we have a kindred, a relationship with each other. Because Jesus is in each of us. When we know Jesus and are part of the church, we're related to each other because of Jesus. I'm related to my sisters because of my mom and daddy. We're always going to be connected. And whether they're out on the ocean like my sister was last week or at the lake like my other sister is today, we're always going to be connected no matter how far apart we are. We need to remain connected because of Jesus.
Now stop and think. How committed am I to the body of Christ? How committed am I to Jesus first? That needs to be our first relationship. And then how am I committed to His church? Say, Lord, am I doing what I need to be doing? Father, Father, You've created us for relationships. As John Dunn said, no man's an island. And we weren't created to be all by ourselves. I pray, Father, that we will commit to each other. To love each other, encourage each other, and, and share our lives with each other, and build each other up, and, and stand with each other in crisis, and, and walk side by side with each other as we serve Christ. Father, I pray that, that the love of Christ in us will grow so much that it overflows and spills out on other believers around us. And Father, wherever we're at in our walk with Christ, may we commit to taking that next step. So that Lynn Lane become a place where the love of Christ is shared with each other and then taken out to the world. Father, I pray that every person here and every person that's listening, if they don't know Jesus, that today, I pray that today they would surrender their life to Christ, to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, to know eternal life, to know the blessing of a fellowship with the Father and with other believers. I pray, Father, they do that today. And Father, if they know You, but they've not committed to a group of people, I pray they commit to the others here. We want to say they want to say that they want to be a part of, of, of us for Your glory. Father, I pray that we would share our lives with each other and share our burdens with each other. So that we can help each other grow in Christ. Father, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.